0: Hello and welcome to the Bear Your Soul Sister podcast. We are your hosts, Re and Kara, and our
1: mission is to have real and raw conversations with everyday women so you can see
0: you are not alone in a big beautiful world. And if one woman can conquer their challenges, you can too. Now let's dive into this epic episode.
1: Hey guys, thank you so much for being back with us today. I am so excited for our guest this week. She is a beautiful friend of mine and also a client. It is Fleur. Say hello, my dear. Hey, happy to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited for you to share your story with us because it's something I haven't actually heard a lot of in my community so I think it's really important to share this because I know that there will be a lot of people that have gone through um, something similar to you so I'm really really excited to share it so for those that are listening and have no idea who you are can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into your story?
2: Absolutely I'm kind of excited because I know you don't even know I don't think you know this little story about me
1: I don't we've never dived into this which I'm really surprised by
2: yeah so Rhea and I have been working together for about six months she's helping me embrace my dreams of becoming a life coach so that I can help others um, along similar journeys but um, so I'm almost 29 and I'm someone whose number one value is self-development And I've been on a big journey of challenge and healing for as long as I can remember. And so these days I'm being pulled to share my stories and perspectives of survival to hopefully give hope um, and story of healing. So that's what I'm really passionate about. I love um, building people up and helping them um, find their way. And that's, that's what I'm pulled to do now, so...
1: I love that. It's been such an awesome journey so far watching you figure out where you wanted to take your life and um, share your passion which is really exciting because I'm going to assume the story you're about to share has made a big part of like your decision to take this um, this step in your life. So what part of your story are you going to share with us today? Well
2: probably um, start by sharing like the reason why I'm so called to share it it's something that not many people know about me that um, addiction and withdrawal has been a massive part of my life and I do still deal with sort of the aftermath of it now years later Um, and I feel like there's this layer to me underneath the surface that when I meet new people they don't know Um, and I, I find myself you know sometimes wanting to share elements of that journey and how it's molded me into who I am today, but there's this huge amount of stigma and misperception about addiction. It's something that you don't sort of lay on people um, without sort of telling the whole story. Cause I think the whole story is where sort of people's truth comes out and um, people could actually understand it um, without hopefully without those preconceived stigmas and, Things like that. So I think I have a little bit of a different, quotation marks, (laughs) different side and story um, with addiction. And I took away some really, really huge lessons from the experience. Um, And basically my view on addiction as a whole completely changed. And, you know, my hope is to change some other people's perception and stigmas um, of this very real-world issue. So the story that I will share today is about uh, prescription drug addiction, which for me began as a lifelong battle with anxiety and how I basically had my prayers answered in the form of a pharmaceutical prescription pill. Um, But my life got consumed by it, my health deteriorated, and I had to face up to the reality um, that it was an issue and go down the journey of detox and rehab so I want to share my my lessons that I learned along the way
1: wow that's a that's a big one I I guess before we talk about you know when you decided to change what um when did you I guess realize that it was an actual addiction or was it not addiction until you realized when you decided to come off it like how did that unfold for you
2: yeah, so there's sort of this fine line between addiction and something called physical dependence, which is um, your body physically or your brain being dependent on on a substance. And, it, it you know, it occurs with a, quite a few prescription drugs so that, you know, there are people out there, um, you know, physically dependent and not having... Um, issues I suppose but it was when I realized that um, I actually sort of suddenly got really unwell and we couldn't figure out why and you know after a few months and getting sent to hospital and having lots of tests done we realized that I had just accidentally taken a little bit less of the medication I'd sort of like thought I would just cut back slightly Um, and that's when we realized like me and my doctors that that was an issue to make me that unwell sort of by accident throwing my body into withdrawal um, and going into detox by accident that was pretty wow turning point yeah was it a
1: significant drop or it was just like just a touch of like milligram to really see the difference in 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 knowing like you're already going into a detox phase without even realizing was it a decent amount of a increase decrease
2: not really you know I'd even say that it was more sort of that I didn't increase it I mean I was sort of like on an upward trajectory and I thought I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna increase so
1: yeah it was minute the the drop which is yeah. scary that that is um, that's crazy like just a tiny bit because I know we can all go through. Uh, withdrawals like i've gone through withdrawals from even food and coffee and things like that but from that level and just such a small decrease from a pharmaceutical um you know that usually is prescribed to help us but we don't really see the long-term effect um because we just want whatever's happening right now to change so that that's that's crazy um so what was the moment where you decided that things had to change and you couldn't um allow this to continue um it was actually
2: a year after that first accidental detox if you will so I got really unwell we finally figured out what it was and my doctor immediately put me on more medication basically to to get me well again um because I'd lost a significant amount of weight um was having trouble eating and that kind of thing so I spent a year very medicated and I don't actually remember a lot of it I know that I definitely wasn't uh, like living my full potential I was sort of just on autopilot I suppose for that whole year um and it was at the end of that year that I committed to you know I realized it was going to be very hard but that these medications were sort of having a control over my life and that's when I then committed to and it was incredibly hard. I sort of knew what to expect. Um, you know, with my doctor worked out a very, very gradual um weaning process, like the slowest you could possibly do. But instantly, like as soon as I started it, I got really unwell again. And um I think I was at home doing the detox for about two months before I just broke down and admitted that I couldn't do it myself. just because I was so unwell and I needed to go inpatient.
1: Wow. Two months in a detox phase. Like that's, that's heavy. I know, um, I know somebody that has gone through like a detox phase on a pharmaceutical um, and she did it hard and fast. Like she did it over two weeks and had like a doctor come check on her, but two months, like, how did that make you feel? Like, oh my, I couldn't even imagine, I couldn't even imagine how hard that would have been for you. It was pretty
2: intense. <laughs> I um, I remember that, you know, it was a pretty miserable Christmas, not being able to enjoy it. And then, and then New Year's rolled around. And I, I remember that at New Year's, I was, I can laugh about it now, but I spent it in a cold bath, like, because I was Overheating and throwing up into a rubbish bin. It was beautiful. I was kind of like, "This is how you're meant to feel on New Year's Day." Like I haven't. <laughs> this is not self-inflicted. Um, so yeah, it was pretty horrible. And that two months at home, I was then in hospital for two months, and then still pretty unsick. So it was probably more like a four four month detox period. Yeah, it happens to be a medication like benzodiazepines is what it is where it, you can't – you really shouldn't stop them abruptly because you can have seizures and things like that. Wow. So, um, yeah, you do have to be gradual, which was frustrating because I just wanted – I was so sick. I just wanted to cut – you know, get yeah. off them and get better sooner. But.
1: Um, I, I'm assuming that, that that prescription was for your anxiety. Is that correct? Yes. How was yeah. your anxiety after you came off the detox? Like, And was your anxiety really intense during the detox phase?
2: Yeah, ridiculous. Um, you know that thing they say, like, oh, panic attacks, they, they last 20 minutes, don't worry. Um, I was having, like, six-hour episodes oh of them. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, pretty that- bad. And since then it's been hard because, I mean, I'll, like I'll speak about it a little bit more but they were like this amazing tool that helped my anxiety for a number of years and to suddenly be living without them was so hard and yeah. your anxiety like i felt like my anxiety was a lot worse um afterwards but i think i'm probably comparing it to while i was on them so it's been hard to learn to deal with
0: it naturally
1: yeah i could even i couldn't even imagine
0: Cara, do you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, did you have any inklings of when you first started that um, you were going to have such a strong, like, um, I don't even know how to word it, like withdrawal from it? Like, for example, so a couple of years ago, I went on antidepressants and I was told, you know, in the beginning, it will be really hard to wean off them. If you go on them uh, like full time Um, within like a week, I broke out in a rash and I had like an allergic reaction to them. So for me, I had to get, get off them straight away. So was there any signs like initially that there would be a long-term effect or side effect for you? Or did you feel like it wasn't until you got to that point of so much dependency that you realised that was a problem? Like, did you have any ideas that it was going to end up leading down that path? I think the scary
2: thing with benzodiazepines is that the tolerance is instant. Like, the first time I took them, I never had the same benefit from taking them again, if that makes sense. So it was sort of like immediate, you need more and more. Um, and I did get like crazy rebound anxiety which I can only put down to my brain wanting more of it and so just like throwing you know I'd be on the medication you know you're only meant to it's meant to last however long it's meant to last Uh, it would have only been a few hours and I'd sort of be going about my day and then suddenly get like struck like lightning with crazy and very physical anxiety attacks so that was sort of a sign like I clearly need this, you know, something's going on.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, The, so you're saying like, as you're, once you had it, you realized that your body needed more of it. So did, did the um, dosage increase pretty much immediately or did you have the same dosage, like the whole time you were on it?
2: It was gradual. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of when you are prescribed these things,
1: most doctors would tell you like, this
2: is just, something to be used occasionally like we're going to sort of monitor make sure you're not using it too much and you know you start out like that but (laughs) very easily you know the dose goes up and my doctors always knew about it I wasn't doing anything um you know that they didn't know about um but there was definitely sort of like a gradual increase until it was daily and and multiple times a day
1: yeah wow before we dive into like how you, I guess, transition through the detox and the steps that you took, I would love to know, like, how did being on that pharmaceutical affect not just you, but like your whole life? Do you see, did you see like a decrease uh, in your environment, in your relationships? While I know, and you might agree that yes, in moments like we, these pharmaceuticals unneeded and required for certain people but could you did you expect it to affect you the way it did in your whole life rather than just your anxiety levels if that makes sense
2: yeah I think part of realizing that I had a problem um was just being completely checked out of my personal life um you know those close to me either didn't see me a huge amount or um I think at one point they described me as just not seeming to care about life.
1: um, Almost like it numbed you?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it was um, definitely like the sort of way it became an issue was using it when I went through hard things in life um, to numb out of that, which I think is sort of like a common theme with addiction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you've... um so because of before because of tr- like traumatic things and things that anxiety being so high that's when you decided did at that point obviously we always do the things that you know we think is the right thing because of the resources we currently had like back then I'm assuming you didn't have any other resources to go to other than like oh well I know that if I take this pill it should remove my anxiety like you weren't aware of any other tools at the time
2: yeah so uh I think now's a good time to like to sort of say the story of how I got um to that point of being prescribed and and trying this this drug um my anxiety started when I was kindergarten age so basically like as long as I can remember I didn't know or have words for it at the time but I was having panic attacks and full-blown insomniac and I had OCD and all these rituals and behaviors that just consumed me from a very young age um which is awful like you I look back and you know fortunately my childhood was like very stressful and it wasn't long like before I was 10 I was already having like some health problems related to anxiety um one of which was a like TMJ disorder so you know like you'd um like issues with your jaw muscles. So you're basically like clenching and grinding your teeth so much that um, you get a lot of pain and cracking and, and problems there. And my, my hearing got affected by that. Um, and so it was actually part of what I went to the doctor about as a 20 or 21-year-old and got prescribed benzodiazepines because like you sort of work in two ways. They're obviously um, for anxiety, but they're also... Some of them are really good muscle relaxants. So I sort of had this entire life of horrible anxiety and, uh, you know, as a child not having um, ways to describe it. Um, And then when I was sort of a teenager, actually taking myself to the doctor and getting diagnosis and explanations for what I'd been experiencing. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, years of living in intense anxiety so it was a pretty magic solution it seemed to be prescribed something that could instantly stop a panic attack in its tracks or um actually sort of give me a sense of control over anxious thoughts and get rid of all those horrible symptoms
1: yeah. And knowing like it, cause the pain would have been so intense because if anyone's listening, um, episode one was my story and how I had panic attacks and things like that. I, if the pain was so intense with a panic attack, of course, you would opt for something that would take it away immensely, like, like immediately because it it's so intense. Anyone that's been through a panic attack, all they want to do is stop it in its tracks. So I could totally understand why, if that was the only resource you had and knew of, of course you would have chosen it. Um, so I guess my next question is like, what were the three steps if you could narrow it down to three that you took to um, obviously go through that detox, but then choose to never have to go back on them again?
2: Ooh. Um, three. Do you mean like sort of three steps of action to, yeah. to get there? Um, It started with, you know, people talk about admitting to having a problem and obviously coming to that realisation is really scary and you have to, I think at that point, you can deny it or or fight it or you can intentionally drop your ego um, and drop your pride and admit and sort of like surrender to having a problem um, to yourself. And to other people um, so I had to ask for help I mean rehab was extremely expensive <laughs> so um, yeah I had to you know ask family for help there and I had to I was still at uni I had to you know tell them what was going on which was terrifying <laughs> um, but that sort of all comes under yeah dropping your ego your pride and taking full responsibility for your own health and well-being.
1: I think that's so important. How do you, if you have an anxiety episode or panic attack now, what are some things that you do to help you move through that?
2: I don't know. You'd ask that. <laughs> um, it's hard. Like when you feel still like your mind's kind of working against you it's hard to to think your way out of it but there are all those tools that we know about we know about meditation um you know there's little quirks that help me certain like smells and essential oils that can be very grounding and sort of help you with those processes um and one of the hardest things is probably just identifying all the things that trigger you and making sure that you're doing them every day or taking steps towards doing them every day so that you don't become more and more closed off to the
1: world. Yeah. And finding those triggers can be like the work within itself, because sometimes we don't, we're not even aware of the triggers. You know, I was, I can't remember where I heard it, but there was, it might've been a book or a podcast or something I listened to. And this, This lady, um, she used to go like obviously just doing her groceries, right? And she would go into the beauty section and it was always that one particular shop That one particular aisle, every time she went down it, she would have a full-blown panic attack and she could never figure out why. And it wasn't until she went into like this hypnosis that it was a smell of a cologne because that cologne was what was used on a male that sexually assaulted her. And she had no idea that that was a trigger. So doing the work... To figure out your triggers is intense and is uncomfortable but once you become aware of them you can't unknow it so then you know where that anxiety is stemming from so that you can either heal through that trauma or you know have have that awareness because there's nothing worse than having a panic attack and not knowing why I find it so much easier to get through a panic attack when you know why it's happening. But if you can't figure out why it's happened in the first place, it's a lot harder to get out of. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really good that you mentioned that because going into figuring out the triggers, while it is uncomfortable work, it's so freaking worth it for your own sanity.
2: Yeah, you're right. So much of it is subliminal um, or subconscious. And you've got to like, yeah, do a lot of therapy. That's been a big thing as well. Um, to figure out why
1: you know yeah absolutely all right so the next question we have here is if you could tell your inner child something what would it be
2: oh I love this one um I'd tell her that she isn't broken that things aren't her fault but it is her reality so that sort of comes into taking responsibility for where you are um and, yeah, it's okay to come out of the dark and, and turn the light on and speak about these things. I think there's um, power for your own healing and personally to, you know, help other people with their journeys. Um, and it sort of makes meaning out of, out of the things that we suffer through in life if we can help others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's so important that we're sharing our story to, um, to be able to help others.
0: Can I ask a question? Do you think there is enough awareness around what specifically anxiety is and even even like the professional medical industry being aware of how to really truly treat it um, or even being wanting to be, I guess, more freely open to looking at other avenues than just prescribing medication? Um, The reason I ask this is, it's come up a lot recently in a lot of conversation um, amongst some parents um, that I, I associate with. And it it seems as though there is a rise in cases of anxiety, particularly in children, um, whether that's the fact that it's now, I guess, there is more awareness around it and more people are kind of looking at it as an option as, as to being the cause of different behaviours and things like that Um, or if it's um, there's actually a a societal reason for it Um, but do you think there will ever be I guess more support or a change in perspective as to how I guess us as a society deals with anxiety particularly in children sorry that's a really hardcore question
2: no it's awesome I I think social media is incredibly powerful at the moment for people, um, being able to share and break down. I think there's misunderstanding about anxiety, you know, it isn't just stress. Um, I think it's poorly named because everybody experiences anxiety as an emotion, but that's not the same as having disorders and, and things like that. Um, and, yes, I do think that it's either sort of downplayed in the healthcare system or in society um, or it is sort of sometimes treated a bit, um, yeah, in ways that obviously can create some harm, yeah.
1: I, I totally agree. I think also um, just from a different perspective, I find that there's more anxiety because of our nutrition. Like I feel like there's anxiety when it comes to, of course, traumas that have generated um, more and more anxiety, but I feel like anxiety can also be stemmed just from our own nutrition and our own vitamins and like our own blood work and what can be happening. Cause even for me, I didn't have any severe traumas to create anxiety, but I, I, um I noticed that with my own health and my own blood works in itself was showing me that um, that anxiety, that was a symptom it wasn't i wasn't i had anxiety but it was a symptom of what was going on deeper you know i had low vitamin b's and i had this thing called uh, mthfr which is a mutation in the gene and it means that you can't create serotonin uh, and ser- serotonin is a happy hormone and it's genetic as well and i think it's like 30 or 40 percent of the population actually has mthfr um represent <laughs> right yeah. so and once we become aware of that of like okay our body actually struggles to create serotonin then we can do things about it through our own health and nutrition and seeing naturopaths whereas you know pharmaceuticals wouldn't be able to help that because it's a you know a gene mutation and when i went to the doctors to see if i was um positive for mthfr mm. they said i what's that they had to google know, what it I was know. and um yeah. So yeah, I do think there's a there is absolutely one hundred percent a chemical thing, a trauma thing, but there's also a nutrition thing where anxiety is just the symptom of what something is deeper happening. That's just my thoughts on that as well. One
0: hundred
1: percent. Yeah. So the next question is, if someone is listening to this today and they're going through something similar, what would you give them for advice?
2: Um. I think I'd like to like come to the lessons that I learned from my rehab experience because that, yeah, it definitely applies. So obviously, um, like I mentioned, sort of reaching a point where you are willing to drop, drop your pride. It's not an easy thing, I think, with any sort of mental health condition, um, which, by the way, anxiety, uh, addiction is definitely a mental health condition. Um, yeah, I mean, asking for help is it's difficult and admitting it to yourself, you know, for particular people, that's even harder. So that and being willing to embrace whatever healing journey it takes on. So obviously for me going to a detox centre, um, it it was wild. Like I was in there with people that had overdosed on heroin and been taken there straight from the hospital. There were lots of like methamphetamine addicts through you know lots of alcoholics lots of all manner right and you know I lived with them for two months and we did eight hours of therapy a day and you know we're locked in at night together and would would socialize we obviously got to know each other well and I very quickly learned um that we're all the same like it doesn't matter what what substance it is you're not you know I wasn't better than anyone just because I obtained mine from the doctor um, you know um, everyone had the same underlying issues and traumas and and reasons to be where they are today it's not addiction is not a a condition of you know poor self-discipline or anything like that which I think you know there's some terrible stigma and, and misperception about um, so somebody in that position you know they don't need to be too afraid because there, you know yes there are some stigmas but I think the more that we speak about it and share sort of different angles of, of addiction and anxiety uh, you know everybody in there um, that I got to meet had anxiety and had depression like it's all hand in hand um, and um, I just think I sort of like I call it our poison like I kind of think that everybody um probably has one or two things and it you know it doesn't have to be drugs it can be online shopping or social media and love and things like that but everybody has some things that when they're under that influence they feel more themselves or they feel like this is who I'm supposed to be um, and that's um yeah so no one no one's above it and it isn't it isn't something to be afraid of, I think. You know, now there are more, more people speaking about it and we are breaking down that stigma. So I do, yeah, really encourage people to, to reach out for help, which we hear all the time, but um, putting it into practice and being willing to do it wholeheartedly is, I think, a big difference and a big reason why I didn't end up Um, back there even though when i got discharged after two months the doctor said um i'll see you in 12 months you'll be back here wow
1: that's a that's an awesome doctor (laughs) god do you um
2: yeah (laughs) that's i think yeah just wholly um sort of surrendering to
1: it and to the healing process is is key yes absolutely is there any resources that um that you could recommend that helps people to just take that step of like wanting to be wholeheartedly uh into heal like the one thing i can think of is russell brand has an amazing book called recovery and it's talks about the addictions that are not just illegal it's online shopping sex food mm you know gambling all that kind of stuff it's all different addictions that we can have as coping mechanisms not just the ones that are frowned upon in society as such so is there any Mm -hmm. resources that you can recommend
2: I found a really big difference in group therapy so um, whether you need to access a a clinic like I did to to do that for eight hours of a day for weeks on end um, there are you know programs you can do of group therapy around the place um narcotics anonymous they made us do for a little while and that was incredibly powerful for um just hearing other people's stories and experience and realizing you know what you had in common with people um, yeah incredibly inspiring I think doing something like beating an addiction alone would just be so difficult and it's probably a reason why a lot of people do relapse um yeah so group group therapy but I also find um you know on social media we have so much access to incredible books like you've mentioned and um it's just sort of like going out there and being hungry for resources and surrounding yourself with um with those and seeing what applies
1: is there anyone on social media that you follow that helps inspire you?
2: To be honest, not yet. Like I I, I know Russell Brand, you've mentioned, like he's very outspoken about addiction and, and breaking down. Um, but to be honest, I can't think of other people. Um, That's okay. I think. You,
1: you're going to be that person. Yeah. You're going to be that person people go Can to. Can I
2: reference myself? <laughs>
1: absolutely you can
2: (laughs) yeah I hope that changes I hope yeah I think it's still a bit of a dirty word um and not something people want to necessarily label themselves with
1: Mm, yeah it's almost like there's shame around the fact that they have an issue which is why I think people stay in it because they're in denial like they, they can they feel it and they can talk about it in their head but actually saying it out loud is a whole nother ball game um that's yeah. why I mean, that's why it's so big when people you know go to aaa meetings that they have to go one of the steps is to go to their family and be like i have a problem yeah. and that itself is like one of the hardest steps so 100% Actually, and I, I have a question that i just thought of then being the someone that has gone through the detox phase and that has had a severe addiction if a listener right now is somebody that knows someone going through a severe addiction, how would you hope they would support that person going through the addiction? Cause we talk a lot about, you know, obviously you going through it, but it does affect the people around you. So how would you hope, or if you could give them some tools on how they could show up better to support the person that has the addiction or is going through the detox phase? So perfect um, that you asked that because I had a real
2: mixed bag of responses. Um, Those closest to me, you know, were amazing and they made space for me to go through that without judgment. But I also lost a lot of friends. Um, And I don't know if that's because I was still at uni, I was still in a phase of my life where, you know, partying was a priority for a lot of people and for me to come out, you know, I was so humbled and opened up by this experience that when I first got out, um, you know, I'd run into people and then say, where were you? And I would I'd tell them. And I think that freaked people out, um, whether they read into it too much and decided I was a bad influence or I don't know. But, um, you know, it was an experience that showed me that, um you know it's okay like I was how old was I it was four years ago so I was 25 yeah 24 25 um and like I didn't drink for a long time afterwards Um, and I was told that I had a risk of you know becoming an alcoholic um just because of the way that benzos work on the brain is sort of similar to alcohol so that was like a life shift. You know, my priorities definitely shifted from from partying or socialising and things to focusing on my health, plus I was quite unwell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would hope that um, the people that are around people going through this, if they love them enough, to um, help them through it without, if they can, without judgement and sort of want to learn more not sort of put them in a corner and have any sort of shame around it. That would be huge.
1: Yes. I love that. I think, it, I think the judgment piece is like the most important part, like not to judge why they're even in this situation, but the fact that they want to get out of it is like the, that is what we should be focusing on. It's the fact of like, yes, okay, I'm here. I'm in this, I'm in the thick of it, but I don't want to be here anymore. I want out. So I think, when we focus on that, that the fact that we want to do something about it and let go of that judgment, I think is, um, I think is really powerful. Before I ask you the last two questions that I have on my list, Cara, is there anything you want to quickly ask?
0: Um, I don't think so. I just, yeah. I appreciate you going into so much detail about such a vulnerable subject. I definitely think it's something that we all need to take the time to learn more of and, um, feel like it needs to be the 11th commandment is thou shalt not judge <laughs> yes oh <laughs> it's my god rewritten <laughs> yeah I feel
2: I, in this um weird position now because it you know I want to share some of the lessons I learned with people that I meet but I'm still scared to mention I mean you don't really just say like oh yeah
1: well I'm a recovered
2: <laughs> addict or something without fully telling the story and sort of getting all angles of it right?
1: well, you've taken a huge step by going oh well here's my story I'm just putting it on the fucking internet
2: yeah well now <laughs> I can just like give people the link it's
1: fine <laughs> you want to know more about my story just yeah I love that awesome okay so second last question is what does self-care mean to you
2: awesome um I love self-care and to me it's all about self-development um and being really self-aware and practicing introspection interrospection I think that's it's like a quality that I really value in people and you know all those things that we sort of think of with self-care like journaling and meditation and spending a little bit of time with yourself like that's such an opportunity to to go within um and yeah taking ownership for our shit (laughs) I just sort of touched on before and for me a big one is like investing into good therapy good coaching wink wink nudge nudge re um, buying all the self-help books and and that stuff like yeah so investing in your in your own
1: health and mind I love that thank you for sharing and if people want to know more about your journey or if they want to reach out to you because they're going through something similar where can we find you cute um
2: so i have a new instagram where i am particularly you know sharing my healing journey and sort of the angle of helping others um and you know by sharing stories makes meaning um and that is instagram we love our instagram at fleur alice shannon so fleur is f-l-e-u-r
1: alice shannon one word Amazing. I'll definitely put that in the show notes um, for the episodes so people can find you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. This is one of those topics where, um, you know, a lot of people shy away from it or. Um, aren't proud to admit that they've had addictions and things like that. So I applaud you for sharing that with us because it's just such a big step. And, you know, the more people that share their story like this openly and, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway, it helps other people, open up and want to share their story or start to do something about it so thank you so much again for being here i really appreciate it Thank you.
2: thanks for having the perfect platform and welcoming us all to do this
1: yes it means so much amazing okay well we're gonna wrap it up here i just want to say thank you again and i look forward to talking to you guys soon bye ladies Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. It means so much to us that you are here. If you love this episode, please share it with your community. And if you're listening from Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review
0: and share what you love most about our show. Also, if you would like to be featured on our show, head on over to our Instagram at Bearyoursoulsister, or one word. Send us a message and we will flick you over the details on how you can join us. And while you're on Instagram, give us a follow. We would love to get to know you more. Thank you so much for being here. And we look forward to chatting with you next time. Bye.